0: I will turn to Matthew, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38, Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38 as we think that Jesus was moved with compassion, Jesus was moved with compassion, if you choose to stand we'll be reading verse 35, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues, And preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto the disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We pray that we would be open to spirits leading, that our hearts would be sensitive, that we would set aside, Father, the things of the world this, this day and focus on what you want. We trust you will speak to us through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I grew up in Tulsa. I've, you know that. I have told you. And there was a time when, when growing up, we didn't have air conditioning. And so, I mean, I remember when we got air conditioning, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I just stood in front of that little windy unit and just, you know, didn't go anywhere for a few days. But before that, you'd have to open windows. And then we had the attic fan. you turn the attic fan on, it'd suck all the gnats in, and it was just, it was a great experience. Uh, but at night, when the windows were open, I could hear the mournful sound of all those trains coming through Tulsa. You know, you think about all the oil field stuff that's passing through, and so you could hear them over and over again as those trains pass through. Um, back in uh, 1942, uh, the Frisco Meteor 4,500 fi- 4, steam train was built. It was a passenger train. Uh, Then somewhere around 1947 to 1948, it pulled the train that came through St. Louis to uh, Tulsa to Oklahoma City and would make a round trip and go back. Eventually in 1950, they retired the train uh, from doing that and it started hauling uh, just stuff, you know, cargo. Um, But now it sits right over here. A group of people... The Town West Sertoma Club restored the engine and brought it back to a, a way that you can go and look at it. It's the Route 66 Museum. You can go over there, and the Red Fork Station is not too far away. They've redid it as well, restored it. And so, if you ever have a chance, you can go over there. If you go over and see that train, you'll see the steam engine. I mean, it's it, the word that the the train guys use there is a, it's a leviathan. It's gigantic. Uh, behind it is a passenger car. They're restoring that. Behind that's an oil car to represent all the oil stuff in Oklahoma. And then behind that is a uh, caboose, a big, a big unusual caboose that they have there. But it's parked along that side as you go to the museum. It's nostalgic. I mean, you can go, you can look at it, you can see, you can talk to the people. They'll give you a tour and tell you everything about it if there's somebody there. But the train goes nowhere. It's parked If you look at pictures on the internet, you'll see those little triangle things uh, up against the wheel showing that it's not going anywhere. It's parked for good now. It's a display. It just sits there. All that powerful energy in that steam engine, and it just sits. It's a display. I think a major problem regarding evangelism today is a lack of motivation on our part not to be cruel to us. I think sometimes we just get that way because of some things that happen. Many Christians lack motivation, I think, to teach others. We just don't know what we should say about things like evangelism. And so we don't say anything. If I don't have any information, why should I say anything? Years go by, and and little gets done as far as evangelism or sharing the gospel with the people around us. And rather than being troubled by this fact, I think many times we can easily fall into a state of complacency, become lackadaisical, and just think that somebody's going to get it done. Well, you know what happens there. If you think everybody else is doing it and nobody is, nothing happens. And I think for many of us, that may be where we find ourselves. The motivation is lacking. The steam that drove that train in our lives is not there. If you look statistics in Southern Baptist Convention, you will discover that we are declining at a precipitous rate. If you've seen anything, we are following the path of many. Mainline denominations, in the sense of we are not even capturing the young people that are raised in our church. Um, I remember, you know, growing up, having grown up in the 50s, and I remember we had a, a, a campaign. I wasn't alive at the time, but I remember the campaign because it still had material around our church, and it was a million more by 54. And the Southern Baptist Convention wanted to add a million people to its congregations. And so they made a big push to, to be evangelistic and to try to reach people. But you don't see as much of that anymore. Uh, I've done things like tell and WOW and, and different kind of evangelism uh, things, evangelism explosion, continuing witness training. I've done all of those. I've trained in those. I've trained people in those. And, and yet I don't have people come up to me and say, Brother Marty, what can we do about our evangelism program? We just it's just not a deep burning thing in our heart it seems. And I don't understand I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just recognizing there's a problem. I mean Southern Baptist recognizes there's a problem. And they're discussing what can we do about that problem? How can we emphasize this? I remember as a pastor uh, getting uh, things from state convention and it would be a, an evangelism packet and you're, you're supposed to preach an evangelism sermon and they gave you some suggested sermons. They gave you some material you could link to, you could bring to your church and you know uh, we would do a one day soul winning workshop and we'd take a New Testament and we'd write in it passages, turn to page X, whatever your Bible says to find a certain passage of scripture so that even if you if you got tripped up trying to witness to somebody, all you had to do is look at the bottom of your page and turn to page 79 and then read that scripture to that person and and then talk to them about Jesus. Write it in your Bible and you can do that. Or we had tracts or whatever. I just don't see the passion. I don't see the motivation. I think, though, with proper motivation, a Christian will seek the lost around them i don't see how we can't i don't see how we won't if we understand the heart of jesus he was moved with compassion the bible says e- even if we don't know how i think ultimately there's something within us that will not rest until we see it done I- I'm not saying that we've got to the place that we don't care anymore. I'm saying I think we forget to care sometimes. And we emphasize some other things. In lieu of touching the heart of the Savior and finding out what motivated him. What motivated Jesus to save the lost? Well, I think there's a number of things you can learn. What prompted him? I mean, think about it. What prompted Jesus to come to earth? I know we can quote the passage, he came to seek and save that which is lost. But what motivated Jesus to do that? What propelled him to go from city to city to city preaching? I mean, it's a lot easier to stay at home and let people come to you. That's what a lot of teachers did in his day. Rabbis would have a place. They'd stay there. People would come to them. They would preach, and the people would go back home. But Jesus went as an itinerant preacher from village to village, city to city, sharing the message of his father. What propelled him to live like that? He even told the disciples, I don't have a home. He gave up even a place to live that he might share the gospel with people who were lost. What moved him to endure the shame and dying on the cross that he might share the message of the Father with those who needed to know. They don't even know what they're doing, he said. They didn't understand. And yet Jesus was motivated. I think there's several factors you can list uh, that, that motivated Jesus. I think his strong sense of purpose motivated him. If you look in John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said this, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me there was a sense in jesus's mind of purpose from the father when you look at your life from day to day what would you say your purpose is what is my purpose i've had some people in church in the past who felt like it was their purpose to let us know what we believed and they were very clear. Uh, if we seem to stray from some sort of theological understanding of Baptist distinctives, is what we would have called it growing up. Uh, any any Baptist "Well, that's not Baptist. That's not ba- that's not really Baptist." And they're really good at telling me what you know wasn't Baptist. Um, I, I might remind them that you know even John the Baptist wasn't Southern Baptist. So you know maybe we should look at the Bible and get an understanding. But Jesus's purpose. I think was driven by his understanding that he came from the father. I think second in that idea of being factors was the father's love that he wanted to share. John 15:9, John 17:26 basically says this as the father hath loved me so love I you. He was driven by not just knowing that he came from a father who sent him. I'm sending you to this earth but his father's love motivated him. There was something deep down in Jesus that recognized that the love of God was sending him to these people who needed to know how to approach the father. They didn't understand how to do that. There wasn't a bridge for them to get there, and so Jesus became that bridge, and he came out of a love, for God so loved the world, the Bible says. I think also there's the potential of the condemnation that he sought to save people from Uh, you look in the in the bible and you look at matthew 10 28 and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul body in hell or sheol it might say in your translation jesus understood what was coming right He knew that condemnation was coming. For they are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. They were condemned. And Jesus was trying to uncondemn them. To lead them to the love of the Father and the purpose that he had sent him for. And you you look at these passages of scripture and you see that Jesus understood a day was coming. And I think the passage we read today illustrates that. That there is a harvest here. But where's the harvest going? Where was it going to be stored? Would it be in heaven or would it be in hell? When people's lives are harvested at the end of their existence, where will they go? Jesus knew there was one of two places, with the Father or in hell. And so he wanted to communicate the potential of condemnation to a world that was lost and was unaware of what was happening. I think also that there was what the Bible said for the joy that was set before him. You read in the New Testament in Hebrews twelve two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I look at that passage, and Jesus understood the joy that was potentially there in, in sitting around the table with you, in the future in a great banquet feast the joy to see you in heaven to see you in the mansion he prepared for you to see you walking the streets and worshiping god to see you there made him happy isn't that what family reunions are for To see the joy of loved ones, to be around them and and to be excited and seeing little ones growing up and them coming back home and how you revel in that fact. Of course, we remember that relatives like fish stink after three days, so just come and go, (laughs) you know, get back home. But we do want to see them, don't we? Jesus wants to see you in heaven. I think those are some motivating factors, but there was one factor which was mentioned in our text today, there in Matthew 9, and it was this in 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Compassion for the lost. There there, there was a lack of something in their lives. And he wanted to help them understand what it was. And you look at that word in the New Testament. It's esplencioniste uh, is the Greek word. And it has to do with bowels of compassion moved with pity. They, they saw emotions coming from the stomach, not the heart. Um, uh, the, the inside your gut, you know, when you get a gut feeling, that was really where they saw emotions being seated. And when they responded to that in the New Testament, there were six times this word was used, the The idea was that it even could be he was indignant about. It moved him so much that he could not let it go. He wanted to do something about it. And it motivated him to do something. Today, I want to look at quickly two things, two points really. Uh, as we think about this. One is Jesus' compassion for the lost and the other is our compassion for the lost. First of all, Jesus' compassion for loss. Jesus had compassion. It said that in our text, is mentioned there, and numerous other occasions, not just that word, but other words were used in the New Testament to explain that Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. If you look in the New Testament, the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew 14, 14, Jesus looked at them and had compassion on them. He saw that they were starving, but that wasn't the only large crowd. Uh, Sometimes we confuse. There was another 4,000 that were together following him in Matthew 15, 32. And again, it said he had compassion on them. He was motivated with compassion. It, also in the New Testament, we see different people that he dealt with that he was moved with compassion, that he could not let it go. One was the leper, you remember? If you look in the New Testament, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 41, Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the leper. But that wasn't the only location. The demon-possessed man in Mark 5, 1, verse 19, he couldn't let that man suffer. He was moved with compassion. Or what about the widow of Nain who had lost her son in Luke 7? He could not let it go. He was moved with compassion. Or the two blind men in Matthew chapter 20, he had to touch them. He was moved with indignation, with pity, with sorrow. It wasn't just, I'm so sorry, but it was, what can I do to fix this? What can I do to make this less in their lives? What can I do to restore them? That's the compassion that drove Jesus. He was moved with compassion when he saw people. You look at this text and and you know that it says that he was moved with compassion when he saw them. And he was moved because they were like sheep without a shepherd, just milling around. No one was leading them. The Jewish rabbis, the Jewish teachers, the Jewish intellectuals, the people who should have been leading them to God were not. They were concerned about themselves they were concerned about how righteous they were i think illustration of the good samaritan gives a pretty good picture of what it was like to be a leader in that day i just don't want to get myself dirty i don't want to get my hands dirty but jesus was willing to get his hands dirty for you and for me he had compassion and he was motivated because they were like a group of sheep without a shepherd As you look through that passage of Scripture, you also notice he did some things. He healed people. He healed them from their diseases. He healed demon possession. He healed hunger within their lives. Jesus dealt with that with his internal compassion that motivated him to move beyond just looking at someone with sorrow. It's easy to see someone and feel sorry for them It's quite different to do something about it. Jesus did something about it. He was moved with compassion when he saw these people. His compassion moved him to do things. We we mentioned in Mark 6, 34 uh, and other passages, he he wanted to heal the sick and the demon-possessed. He wanted to raise the dead. He wanted to feed the hungry. That was his game plan He didn't want to just teach things about God, and not that he didn't love God or want to impart information with the disciples. The Bible says he taught like no other man. He did teach. But he touched as well, didn't he? He reached out and did something in their lives to personally teach those who needed a shepherd. He did that. He did that in Mark 6. To call upon his disciples here to pray that God would send laborers. He not only motivated himself to do things, he motivated others, didn't he? He moved on his disciples, get involved in the process. Don't just stand here and watch me do something. You get involved too. You pray. You may not know everything, but you can pray, right? You pray, he says, that the Father would send laborers into the field. To send out his disciples, ultimately, is what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 10. He sent them out. After they had watched him do what he had done, after they had heard him teach, after they had seen the miracles, Jesus sent them out. He not only motivated them, he commissioned them to go out. He has commissioned you as well, hasn't he? To preach, to teach. to to disciple people, to baptize. All these things we are commissioned to do, to bring people, to be moved by his compassion that we not sit on the sidelines and do nothing. Jesus was truly moved by compassion for the lost. He was motivated, and he did what he could to meet their needs, especially when it came to the need of salvation, didn't he? He was willing to give up his life. So what? So what? What happens now? We we see Jesus's compassion. It's evident. we, We see how he was moved with compassion. We see that it motivated him to get involved and to touch people's lives and to motivate his disciples to do something as well. But what about us? Secondly, what about our compassion for the lost? I think maybe we should ask the question, do, do we have compassion for the lost? Is it even in your mind to think about the lost? Is it, is, are, are we worried about us, as you prayed today, Daryl, about me and mine and I and the, the words that we use? Are, are we only thinking about how things touch us? Or are we seeing that we are moved to see like Jesus saw? Do we see the multitudes of people who are without Christ? Do we see the lostness? Does it move me? Does it anger me? Or or does it anger me that they don't act like me? I see the lost and they make me mad because they're not nice, they're not convenient, they don't say the right words. They either take things or drink things or shoot things or, or, or say uh, theological issues I have disagreement with, and so I do. I get angry, and I don't deal with them. Is that what I do? Because they're not li- nice like Jesus, do I abandon them? Can I say that I have compassion for the lost if I have made no or little effort to try to w- win someone? can I say I have compassion for the lost if if I even don't attempt to get to know them? Teresa and I kind of joke, you know, in our neighborhood, it's, you know, it's not a gated community, but it is a, a community where uh, everybody seems to like their own privacy. And so, you know, we moved into the community in 2012, and people would move in, and you would, you know, go over and try to introduce yourself, and they were like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, you have a nice day. Close the door. And then, you know, they back out and you wave at them and they don't wave back. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, you try. At least we try. We talk to our neighbors over the backyards as as we can. We, We try to see them in the front yard and visit with them, but they don't. It's almost like they run out, grab their stuff, and run back in and close the door as fast as they can. They don't seem to want to interact with people. It wasn't like that when I grew up. I mean stand out in the yard and everybody would kids would play in the backyard and you'd talk to your neighbor but it's not like that anymore is it we put up fences and nobody can see through and the fence is not tall enough we make it taller next time so that nobody has to look at us and we don't have to look at anybody else do we even take the time to get to know the people who are lost so I would ask what have you done in the past year for the lost to answer that question might reveal whether you have compassion for the lost or not Have I thought about them? Have I cried over them? Have I had angst in my heart like Jesus over them? And then I would ask you are you pleased with that answer? Are you happy with yourself because of what you have done this last year to find someone to witness to, to build a relationship with, or just talk about Jesus with? Do we have compassion? If we don't, then how do we develop compassion? What is it that I can do? How can I get that motivation within me, that steam within me to boil up and be willing to do something to seek and to save that which is lost? How can my inactivity and my lack of compassion be turned around? How can I not just sit on the sidelines but be involved in the process? I think it's evident that we maybe need to be more concerned than we are. We need to put it on the front burner. We need to consider more of the lostness of the people around us and to ask God to give us compassion. Give me your heart, Jesus. Speak inside me. Motivate me. Drive me to want to be like you, to have compassions for lost souls. How do I do that? Well, I think I I do that by asking God to teach me how to love. Because ultimately, if you're going to win lost people, you have to love them. Because they are not lovable apart from God. They're mean, they're evil, they're greedy, they're selfish. They're they're everything that you don't want to be. And yet God wants you to approach those very people. And he has to teach me how to love those people. How how does he do that? Well, he teaches me by his example. I look at his son and I copy Jesus. If I'm going to do that, I need to know the word of God because I need to know where in the word of God Jesus showed me the essentials for developing compassion. Those motivations I gave you before, that he had a purpose, that he had the love of God, that he saw them in a way that others did not. I think spending time around lost people, that may sound strange. If you're going to develop lostness, you need to spend time around lost. Isn't that what Jesus did? He got in trouble for being with what? Publicans and sinners. The Jewish people railed on him because he was with evil people, mad people. And yet those were the very people he needed to be with. Maybe you need to make some lost friends. I mean, I am glad that you have friends at church and that you make friends with church. It's a wonder. It builds us up. It it lifts us up to be around other Christians. But we need some lost friends. We need to engage our lost neighbors, our lost family members. We need to spend time around them. I know Will Rogers said, I never met a man I did not like or something to that effect. I went to Will Rogers High School. It was right over in the lunchroom. Gigantic, big banner, you know. Maybe we need that Attitude. I never met a lost person I didn't like because maybe I could share Jesus with them. I was in line with somebody the other day and, uh, you know, the DMV or something like that. This lady was trying to introduce herself and, and literally this is this what the lady said. I don't need to know your name. I just need the form. Okay. I know how friendly I'm going to be (laughs) to this lady when it's my turn in line. I don't need to know your name. I just need the form. Oh, that we wouldn't be like that to the people around us. I don't need to know your name. I look at name tags. I go into places and I look at name tags. And and maybe, you know, if if, if the the name is Stephanie, I'll go, you know, my, my daughter's name is Stephanie. And it will put a smile on that person's face and it gives me a chance to talk to them. Maybe we need to do something more than we have done to get to know lost people. We need to be concerned about who they are and not just get out of them what we need. We need to be aware of becoming isolated from people. What do I mean? Well, certain technologies of isolate. I talked about you know air conditioning and not having it. You know, we could hear everybody's business when <laughs> we didn't have air conditioning. You know, you could hear what they were saying and how they were talking in their dinner tables because the houses were close enough. You could hear the conversations and. But now our houses are closed they're fenced in we have computers we have phones but we don't have relationships with people we've lost that because of technology remember Jesus was moved because he was with the multitudes he was with the individuals that's what motivated him he was with them maybe we need to be with people more how should compassion move us Well, I think it it ought to move us to want to be able to teach uh, people, to teach others about Jesus, to motivate them. When we do things like Vacation Bible School or when we do events that share Jesus in the community, we're trying to teach people about Jesus. We're trying to make arrangements for those people to be taught. You look in the New Testament and you, you find Philip did that for Nathaniel. You look in the New Testament and you see Cornelius did that for his family. You see people who knew Jesus trying to make others come to know Jesus that they knew. What are we doing to introduce those that we know to Jesus? What are we doing to involve others in the saving of the lost? Am I praying for that to happen? Is it on your prayer list? Is it something you pray about? I hope it will be after today. I hope that it is something that we can do even if we don't feel like we can teach. Remind you that you can pray. It's where Jesus started with the disciples. Maybe he will start with you there today, that you would pray to make compassion for the lost part of your life. Or maybe if you can't go, you're willing to send out others. We we involve ourselves in church in mission-type projects. That is something that we can do. We can be involved in sending others out through what we do in the cooperative program or what we do in other things to send people to missionaries locations to teach and to train we'll support them financially without compassion there's no steam inside our souls there's nothing there boiling over wanting someone to hear the gospel we may not care we may have the knowledge we may have the opportunity but do we have the steam or are we like that train that sits on the track it's pretty to look at but it doesn't do anything. Without compassion for the lost, I don't feel we can rest until we have it, until it's there, until I'm motivated, until that steam builds up inside me. As Jeremiah said, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak his name anymore, but the word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. I pray we'd be like Jeremiah. That it burns, the word burns within us so much we cannot hold it back. But we have to share it. What what motivates you about compassion? Is it um, an ad on television about uh, abused animals? that bring a tear to your eye when you see a kitten that's mange filled that they've taken by the ASCP or is it that little boy who sits in the wheelchair with the blanket and tells you if you give money you'll help other kids in wheelchairs and in the hospital does that motivate you with compassion is it is it seeing a starving child with a bowl of gruel in their hand and a mother who's emaciated does that move you to compassion is that what it takes tv ads capitalize on our tendency to be moved with compassion. We are able to be moved. Be motivated today. Be energized today by the example of Jesus. Don't be a display of emotion. Be emotion that does something. Let your engine be filled with compassion of the Holy Spirit. And may you be motivated to find a lost person this week and share the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we want, Lord, it's never enough. It's never over. It's never finished. I can't share the gospel just once and be done. There are lost people everywhere. And my responsibility, along with everyone else here, is to seek and to save that which is lost because that's what you did. May I not be satisfied to come and to preach and to go without finding someone else to share the gospel with outside these walls. May I find the multitudes and the individuals and share with them the love of God. Motivate us this week, Jesus, to be filled with compassion. I pray in Jesus' holy name, amen.